it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Good afternoon. You're listening to Gambling with an Edge. Now here are your hosts, Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Our guest today is gaming attorney and Blackjack Hall of Fame member, Bob Nersessian. Bob Nersessian, welcome back to Gambling with an Edge. Thank you. And I still maintain I did nothing to get into Blackjack Hall of Fame. You did not decline when you were nominated. So that is a form of doing something. I actually didn't know I was nominated until somebody said our newest member is. Really? You didn't look at the ballot? Oh, uh, yeah. You knew before the vote took place. Pardon? You knew before the vote took place. And uh, I actually you know asked what? you. That year I did. It was the year before that that was a total surprise to me. And I didn't know until after the vote. And I think I came in second. So, all right. Uh, so clearly knowing is, is useful if you want to be in the Blackjack Hall of Fame. All right. Let's get on our questions. I play slots with an advantage. One of the machines I play has five different denominations, five different number of coins you can bet per denomination. And each of these 25 games on a machine has four separate progressives, mini, minor, major, and mega. On more than one occasion, I've noticed that on probably 25 of the 25 games, all of the progressives were at reset values, a condition that is basically impossible to come about naturally. The two most likely possibilities are a new release of the game was installed recently and there's been relatively new play since then, but still the old progressive should have been in effect, or the casino has unilaterally reset the machine to erase all of the progressive increments. This effectively is stealing the money in the bank the player community as a whole is paid to create. This is in in, in Las Vegas. If it's the latter, wouldn't it be against the law? If so, is there any recourse players have to this? Any player who recognizes and complains to the casino about it is probably identifying himself as some sort of a slot professional and hence possibly an undesirable insofar as the casino is concerned because recreational slot players typically don't pay attention to the level of the progressives. I've noticed this on three different types of games within the casino. So it appears to be, at least some of the time, standard standard operating procedures there. Is that the question? Yeah, basically, is it against the law? And if so, can we do anything? The way he says it is yes, it's against the law. However, I would point out that, uh, and there are people out there, in addition to whoever this is, who are watching this very carefully. And I've had some familiarity with it too. And a casino, there's a regulation, I believe, not a statute, but a regulation that says that that progressive does belong to the players. And the casinos know this, and they are not going to invade it without, and there is an exception to the two possibilities that he just gave. The third possibility is that the casino received permission from the gaming control board to reset that. But you see, whenever you're resetting a progressive, there is gaming control board involvement because you do need permission, and that's in the regs too. I don't think it's happening the way he's saying it's happening. 
these might be false progressives, or you just named a situation where there are literally, if I'm not mistaken, 25 times, there are 125 prospective games on there. And it is likely, if not, it is possible, if not even likely, that multiples of those games, even after that machine has been on the floor for a period of weeks or even months, have never even been touched. Why are you going to play... Um, the uh, do- um the, the the games get played, uh, the progressives move, and the only way they can be reset is to be hit, and you wouldn't hit the major and the minor and the mini all at the same time. But so while be at the place, you hit one, be at the basement if the game had just been put out on the floor. Agreed. Right. If it's but this was not the case. How do we know and that? how do we know that this isn't a whole new bank of machines? Um. I don't. Well, one, I, one way to know it Bob, is, and I think you really want to jump in on the bandwagon of whoever is asking the question. But I am telling you that I have watched this and seen this and seen gaming interact with this. And while I don't have a whole lot of respect for gaming, and certainly casinos are not on my tip and are not at the top of my Elio missionary list. Oh, first use of Elio Missionary on the show after 12 years. Wow, do I get a prize? <laughs> Where's the duck dropping yeah. from the ceiling? <laughs> yeah. You're not old enough to remember Groucho Marx. Me? Come on. <laughs> but you are. No. I'm older than oh, you, For yeah. sure. Uh, me, I was born in 47. I'm 75. I know, I'm not older than you. Heck, I'm a babe in the woods. Uh, But with where I was, uh, that's not what I think of casinos or the gaming control board. But this is the kind of thing that literally does put licenses at risk. And nobody's going to give a crap because under IGT or whoever else is making these machines, there's already enough skim to make people rich. Why put your license at risk? I don't see this happening. Somebody is misreading something. Well, I I have two comments. Uh, Number one, I don't believe any major Las Vegas casino ever really is at risk to losing their license. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, the Venetian was caught rigging their drawings and got a slap on the wrist. So to what that company makes. But anyway, uh, but, but, but they didn't they weren't at risk of losing their license but my other comment is this it'd be very easy for the player to go in take pictures of the machines and where the jackpots are at and you know with a date on them right cuz the the picture is dated when you take it and go back several times and see if the jackpots actually get re- reset and then if they are rather than complaining to the casino okay and, call and game. on your yes venetian's not going to lose their license richard i will agree is a general rule unless they really do something really really bad but their license is at risk under the statute and let me try this on you and see what you say to this that casino manager's license is at risk yeah did he lose his and the Venetian uh I think the guy who case. was actually on the podium and had the ticket up his sleeve lost his. Hmm. And I don't think he works in the industry anymore either. That's that's what I call an elevator site. That's something I heard on an elevator. <laughs> and it wasn't my conversation, <laughs> but that's I have heard that. Yes. All right. So sorry, there's um, no more definitive answer, but I, I'm I'm having a real hard time putting my head around the scenario that's been presented. Okay. Um, we'll move on. During a recent cash out at a small commercial non-tribal casino, I produced my ID to cash out less than ten thousand dollars worth of chips. The casino manager appeared and told the cage assistant to scan my driver's license in a scanner. I told him I don't consent to have my ID scanned and asked for it back. 
At this point, the manager got on the phone with his boss and while on the phone, told the assistant again to scan it. I very clearly said, no, I do not consent. I return my ID now. He told her to scan it. She did. At this point, I was paid and notified that I was no longer welcome at that casino. I told him I was now recording the conversation and confirmed that I had asked for my ID and did not consent to a scan. He confirmed and told me I could have a copy and they would just write down the information. Did the casino do something improper here? Yes. Next question. Um, do I have any reports? <laughs> you can sue them. They just stole your, they just literally stole your ID, your private information, your personal papers and effects, if you will. Now, they're not a government agency, so you don't have state action, but that doesn't make it less theft than it is. Um, you can also report them to, uh, this apparently doesn't sound like Nevada, so whatever your board or commission is, and draft out a real nice letter that says they're not authorized to do this, that's my private information, and then finish with a demand to make it a dispute that says, would you, would you please investigate this? Order that casino to remove my personal information from their database and update me on whether or not my request has been followed. I think you'll put everybody into a little bit of consternation there and some things might actually happen. If they don't and you want to invest some money and have some fun, bring a um, writ of procedendo or a writ of mandamus before your local court and have the court order the administrative agency to do that which is with which it is charged to do under their state statutes, which is investigate and resolve. Are you going to get anything? No. <laughs> I mean, you might get, you might get, this is, this is a pirate victory, but it's a pirate victory that certainly many of my clients have been uh, willing to invest in over the years. Do I get uh, something for pirate Richard? Well, I, actually, I was going to uh, challenge because I think it's Pyrrhic, but maybe I've been saying it wrong. I agree. All these years. Not in Detroit. Not in Detroit. <laughs> well, that says something more about Michigan than it does about how to pronounce it. <laughs> Next question. I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. I was told at a Pennsylvania casino recently that I couldn't return to the casino there anymore after playing blackjack there for card counting. I didn't have a previous back off there. However, I was using a player's card, so they sent me a certified mail letter that was return, that I returned to them without opening. I didn't sign for the letter and it was delivered to the wrong apartment. Technically, I don't know what's inside the letter. Arguably, it might be a free casino promotion rather than your standard 86 letter. Given I was never threatened for arrest if I go back, am I able to ever go back to this casino to play blackjack if I don't use a player's card. I still get carded at the door. What if I use an ID from a different state or even a different country? I just want to say, quit farting around with this stuff. If they throw you out, you're thrown out. Okay. <laughs> but all of that is an aside, moving to the technicalities that are raised by the questions. Okay. First, Pennsylvania is a very weird state. They have a statute that says that if you are thrown out of the casino, this is a trespassing. This is their trespassing statute. It says, and as applied to casinos, it means that if you are arrested for trespassing, when they bring the criminal charges against you, you merely point out that this is an institution open to the public. And therefore... I have an affirmative defense by statute, I don't have the site in front of me, that says that I'm not guilty of trespassing because I have this affirmative defense. The statute literally says it shall be an affirmative defense to trespassing that the premises are open to the public for recreational purposes or something exactly like that. So the point is that while they have the right to arrest you and while the DA has the right to prosecute you under the statutes, once you're in court, you say, affirmative defense, and the judge is supposed to say, dismissed, and then everybody goes home. 
a pain in the ass for nothing, but that's how their statutes are written. Um, so are you able to go in? Yes. Will you be arrested? Yes. Will you be convicted? No. <laughs> it's weird. I, 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 I don't make this stuff up to tell this to you. <laughs> but that's, that's my take on Pennsylvania law. Uh-huh. Uh, right. On the other technicalities that you can play with, um, refused certified mail has been accepted as constructive notice in many jurisdictions. Okay. And I believe by the federal government as well. For example, if the IRS sent you an IRS um, levy and it's by certified mail return receipt requested and it comes back to them refused. They now have all the evidence they need as though they had yet sent it to you and you had read it. My general advice is whoever you are, wherever you are, and whenever you are, if you get a certified mail, don't throw it back at them. Read it. Okay. Uh, next question. And uh, while we're on two-bit words, it says, I've heard you comment that some banks eschew professional gamblers. I mentioned this to a friend who was a banker in Las Vegas for many years, and she said it's illegal for a bank to turn away customers whose profession is legal under federal law. So a bank can refuse a marijuana grower for now, but not a gambler. How does this jive with your experience, and what does Bob Nersessian have to say on this subject? There's other banks. Yeah, but but uh, just, I mean, I, that's shocking to hear that that is the law because I, I have heard many gamblers who have had their accounts closed by banks for too many uh, cash deposits and withdrawals and uh, one for visiting his safety deposit box too often. Mm-hmm. Well... The part, okay, first of all, it's a business. Take away whatever this regulation is that we're talking about, and they don't have to do business with you at all. So they can cancel anything they want. Now, is there a law out there that says that if your business is a legal business, the bank must do business with you? There may well be a law that, people read to say that, but I would double dog guarantee you that that law actually says absent activity, which gives a reasonable suspicion of improper activity, a bank cannot refuse yada, yada, yada. So when you take, oh, I'm sorry, I pounded the desk, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> when you take when you take that colorful language, the exception at the front, which has got to exist because you you certainly want banks to be not participating in what they're concerned with is money laundering. I have little doubt that they can put up a colorable um, explanation to avoid any ramifications for refusing or canceling you as a customer. The example I'll give here too is the one that we often see with police officers and probable cause. Probable cause, if you are arrested without probable cause, you can sue the hell out of the cops. The problem is probable cause doesn't mean that it shows you're guilty. It doesn't mean that you have done something that is illegal, or that they even know that you've done something that is illegal. It means that you did something that they think might be illegal, and that's it. Okay? So they don't have to have the particulars. They don't have to have the when, the where, the how. All they need to do, I'll give you an example. In the Goodman case, one of the cases that I had against the casino and the police, we fought like heck for probable cause, or no probable cause. The court did find no probable cause. 
here's the grand total of what the woman in that case did. She was standing by elevators. She was dressed very nice and she was in the casino after hours or at late hours. Okay. One in the morning, buy an elevator and looking nice. All right. <laughs> Sounds suspicious to me. Well, looking provocative. Uh, I mean, she was a stripper. No, well, she had been a stripper, but she wasn't a stripper that night. She was out on a date with her boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Um, and, but the point is, you put all of that together, there's nothing there that approaches criminality within a country mile. The court had a very hard time finding no probable cause. They did. But that's how loose of a standard it is, because you have to put yourself into the shoes of the police officer to an extent. And would a reasonable cop think that there, that she was doing something wrong on a, as to a specific crime? And the answer was no. And the answer stayed no. But it wasn't an easy answer. Okay. And it's not an easy answer with the banks either in the circumstances that you were describing. Incidentally, for uh, Bob and his coming up with what was going on with that particular case, one, thank you for reading my cases. <laughs> You're welcome. Two, <laughs> two I... I the crime that she was allegedly arrested for was loitering. Loitering? I thought she was arrested for yes. prostitution or something. There is that you don't arrest prostitutes anymore for prostitution. They're victims. Prostitutes. So you arrest them Today for loitering? In the world, prostitutions are victims of pimps. Okay. Okay. Pimps get arrested, and they're also victims of Johns, believe it or not, because they're being taken advantage of for mere lucre that they don't collect. The pimp collects it. Weird stuff, I know. But the biggie is that the actual solicitation and prostitution charges have all but disappeared as to the woman, and now. They are subject to arrest for a loitering ordinance. Not even a statute. Yeah. Wow. Um, so because they're trying to decriminalize the industry that women are forced into, and I can't disagree with that whole purpose, but if you're going to decriminalize it, decriminalize it for God's sakes. Don't sit there and have the city of Las Vegas or the city of Henderson pass a loitering ordinance that allows them to still sweep up these people in mass and throw them into puke-filled little holes in the wall downtown where they got to sit overnight while everybody else, while the people around them are peeing in trash cans. It's disgusting. Yeah. By the way, just back to the original question, I, I don't think my bank knows what I do for a living. I mean, I don't remember that being a question when you open the account. Well, it is so, if it's a business account. A business, yes, yeah. yes. But, like, but I mean, most professional gamblers, I don't think, open a, it as a business account. But maybe no, maybe somebody does. I'm not saying that well, what they did wasn't insane. But to, in today's world, the with the federal government, with, with literal dollars having been criminalized, with that statement on the... Uh, on each bill that says uh, legal tender for all debts, public and private, meaning nothing anymore. Banks are scared to death, and rightfully so. Okay? They take these things on credit, and next thing you know, somebody, some third party owns it. The feds have come in and taken it, and they're in five years of litigation over $600,000 in a safe deposit box that they didn't even know they had. It's not an easy life to be an a commercial banker open to the public. It's a very hard life. And our government keeps forgetting this kind of stuff. And they, they're going to forget it more and more as they move towards a cashless society. 
So, in as a in a caveat, in my particular case, since I'm a video poker player and they get my ID, the banks know what I that I am at least a gambler part of the time because I use bank accounts to uh, get a, a line of credit. And so the bankers have been told you will get calls sometimes from XYZ Casino asking, you know, is my balance in such and such a range or what is the range of it within, you know, how many figures, um, you know, it's the first one of one. Uh, so they know, but um, many of our listeners, of course, do not give up their ID. And so that would be a different situation. Let's move on. Let's say a casino blocks all cell phone reception unless you sign on to their free Wi-Fi. You sign on to their free Wi-Fi. They capture some or all the data that's on your phone. There are systems on sale that will do this, just this. Is this legal for a casino to do? Is there any way for a player to protect himself from this other than not logging on to casino Wi-Fi? I actually did a little research on this too. And the best I can tell, and this is what we might call in extreme technical legal parlance, a wag. Do you know what that is? A wild ass guess. Wild ass guess. (laughs) But a scientific wild ass guess is better. And that's a swag. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, even after some research, this remains a wag. But I really couldn't find anything you could do other than walk out of that casino and go next door or not use your phone. I would love to be. Okay. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I was just thinking like, oh, my first initial thought was, oh, that's easy. I would just turn my phone off when I went to that casino. But then I forgot how much we have to, when you're playing with a team, we constantly need to communicate with each other and are often sending texts back and forth. Why are and, you so yeah, that would be a big validating problem. the casino's practices here on your show, Richard? You're telling you them that this is a smart thing for I, them to do. Oh, I, yeah, but I'm like, you know, advantage players are one in you know, what, 10,000 or oh. something? I, I, and I mean, or 100,000. They're doing it to capture your data to, to you know, because data is worth so much now. Um, but that one in 100,000 are two things. One, their concern with the advantage gambler is, you would admit, outsized. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's outsized. But two... Um, that doesn't mean that it's not the advantage gambler that's primarily worried about it. Like, frankly, my data is everywhere. I'm still in the freaking phone book, okay, for my resident. <laughs> so uh, I don't have... You probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, well, what can I do? But uh, yeah. But the thing is... Again, as a general rule, we're all worrying about nothing. I mean, so so don't you already get enough pop-ups for brand new Timex watches that a couple more aren't going to change your life? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think that they already have the data anyway between the credit card companies and the, you know, Facebook and Google and your phone you know, the phone company that you use. Yeah, they, they have all your data anyway, probably. So, but that's not to say it's a nice thing or a good thing, but um, but there's only so many of us that can move to the Keweenaw Peninsula and live amongst the bears. Now oh, you're just showing off. Who am I showing off? <laughs> well, another two-bit word. Which one, quinoa or bear? Uh-huh. Uh, I had quinoa for breakfast. Quinoa. I mean. <laughs> you seriously? Well, bear isn't. Quinoa Peninsula is. 
Well, bear isn't a sesquipedalian word, and the other one is. No. So let's this is, Wait a minute. This is the outback of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And it's, it's, uh-huh. and it's not a two-bit word. I lived there for two years. and I didn't say it's I'm a two-bit word. I said it's a sesquipedalian no, word. No, bear, what you said was a sesquipedalian word. Uh, can we throw the flag and move on? All right. <laughs> If I'm playing blackjack and the casino asks to see my ID and I tell them it's in my car and I don't have it on me, where in truth it's in my back pocket, am I committing fraud? Uh, my general answer is no. Uh, here's the test. Fraud. Is that a wag? No, this is, this is, the, this is the law. I'll give you a caution if it's a wag. Um, Oh, okay. All right. To commit fraud, you have to make a representation. One. There it is. Two, that is false. Three. You've done both of those. That is material. At least in Nevada, under the case of Chen, that would not be a material misrepresentation. So an element of fraud is missing. Four, there has to be reliance on that representation. And five, that reliance has to be reasonable. Those are the elements of fraud. So no, that's not fraud. It's, uh, it is what it is. It's just a little white lie. Pardon? It is a white lie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good, good answer. Yes. And it's a white lie to protect yourself from the invasive overreaching of the gendarmes of the casino. There, I threw another one at you, Richard. Yeah, but we all know what gendarmes are. Even Quit if can't pronounce fixing it. my pronunciation. I got my vocabulary from reading. Okay. I didn't have to. And what? from Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and you were reading Detroit. in Michigan. All right. <laughs> Next question. The question is when state agents, whether it's gaming or uniform law enforcement, violates an AP's rights in the course of responding to a call from a casino, has Bobner Sestian ever considered referring the concern to the state oversight authorities, such as Internal Affairs or the State Inspector General, to investigate the actions of the state agents? Uh, have I considered it? Yes. Have I done it? Yes. Has it worked? No. <laughs> All right. Does that mean you're not going to do it again in no, the future? No, it doesn't mean I'm not going to do it again in the future. It looks so good. Had this just happened recently, there is a judgment of liability against the police in a case I did on a casino property, which that judgment of liability says that they were guilty of violating my client's constitutional rights. It went through internal affairs. We really, my client really tried to push them. He went to the Citizens Review Committee. Both of them said, no, of course, stop and frisk is okay, which, you know, no, it's not. Never has been, never will be. Every jurisdiction in the world wants it to be. They want to be able to go into your pockets just because they're, because you're on their sidewalks. That's not the law. So, um, now there is a judgment it's out there and internal affairs and the citizens review board has been shown to be exactly what they are a rubber stamp for the police because if a judge can look at it and say yes you're liable and those people can look at the exact same facts and say these cops did nothing wrong do you see the problem so yeah, I, I, I'll still go to them, and one of these days I'll actually get them to do something right. But uh, in the meantime, they do tend to be a rubber stamp. There are a couple exceptions to that. Um, no, that's not an exception either. There was an advantage gambler who had 32 forms of alias ID. They arrested her. They sought to prosecute her with extreme vigor. And again, it was the court system that pulled it out and said, there's no crime here. Those IDs were not driver's licenses. 
they were just what players cards well they were actually florida and alabama driver's licenses the problem is and now that i say this the legislature may well fix it it happens to be that under the statutes of the state of nevada a driver's license has a definition that definition is essentially a document issued by the Nevada Department of Motor Vehicles for the purpose of authorizing somebody to operate vehicles on the roadways. You see the problem? Right. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Nevada. Nevada and it has to be a driver's license as opposed to an ID. It, right. So there was no crime. And the judge saw it and threw it out. But uh, the police and IAD continued forward on both of them. I think IAD was involved in that one. So, yeah, I haven't had a whole lot of success with those situations. Um, And sometimes we've even... Another one was the one we mentioned a little while ago, Goodman. We sat down with them on Goodman. Sat down with IAD, two lawyers. And they said, nah, that was fine. And uh, you've read you've read over that case law. It wasn't fine. It was brutal. And they approved that one, too. They said, no, they didn't do anything wrong. Um, So they say you can't fix stupid, but you keep getting money while they keep saying that we didn't do anything wrong. And sooner or later, they might get fixed. Next question. Can a Native American casino refuse to pay a jackpot if they discover you were vulturing Ultimate X machines? I would say no, but they're going to do it anyway. So now what do you do? Well, you look at Narcessian's book and it, the chapter that says OMG <laughs> and, you, and you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, that was an easy right? one. The, the answer is you go to Indian court and Indian court says, Okay. You realize that I work for them, right? Yeah. Okay. Next question. Some years ago on a previous show, uh, Bob Narcessian mentioned a case where he was surprised that there was audio from the floor available as well as video. I'm wondering if he knows through newer case discovery, if this has become more common in surveillance or is it still just as rare as when he first encountered it? The actual answer to your question is it's not as rare as I thought. Um, But it's weird that you would ask me this question because I only found this out last month. They are some... We have smart listeners on this show. This isn't one I gave you a heads up on, is it? No, no. I didn't think so. And this, 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 this does not come from me. This came from one of our listeners. Okay, but I, I want to hear what you were going to say, because this really interests me. turns out that some casinos are recording all radio traffic. So an open mic at the approximate open mic should have a recording if you're if you're in one of those casinos but where are the mics there's no surveillance standard that says they have to have that tape but i serendipitously discovered for example that venetian palazzo is recording their radio traffic okay but what does that mean they have mics near the tables to pick up conversation or what if it, it it's still serendipitous Okay. No, I don't know anything of mics being at a table, but if you've called over somebody who's mic'd to say, hey, I need this jackpot, look at this, this, and this, that recording is going to be there. Or the one that I had seen before with the video, with the audio from the floor would fit into this scenario because it was somebody claiming that they had won one of the multi jurisdictional uh, or multi location uh, huge jackpots like. Uh, megabucks or something like that and it was a dispute over that and that's where there was the audio in one of those disputes and that very well could have been the first security guy on the scene with an open mic on his shoulder wow in retrospect because you know the casinos in in london have mics on the tables 
surveillance can. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm now wiser. Again. I, I'm, you know, I would hope we don't uh, get that in the U.S. But well, yeah, because everything in the world would have to be one long beep, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, people's signals might have to change. <laughs> Oh, really? I hadn't right. thought of that. I would think you can get around that pretty easy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know anything about signaling. have no idea how it would even be done. All right. That signals the time for next question. Um, this has to do with when you cash out. Let's say you're cashing out $3,000 a day or so after you played. And this cashier asks for ID, asking what pit, game, and table. Can they refuse to cash you out if you weren't playing today and you don't give the other information? Well, the law is pretty clear on it. If they don't know that you're not... Let me put it this way. If they know you're not a patron, then they're not supposed to cash you out in all other circumstances. They are to promptly redeem, redeem your chips. Because there's two regulations that deal with that. One is the chips are bearer instruments, and the other is that um, chips must be promptly redeemed unless they know that you're not a patron. Now, you listen to that and you go, well, where can somebody not be a patron but have a chip? I actually had one that fell into that, and um, and and I'll give the full description here. Um, guy is Nolan Dalla had one. Pardon? Nolan Dalla had one. I don't know about that one. He was paid. He was a, playing poker, and somebody owed him five thousand dollars, so they gave him a five thousand dollar chip for a different casino. Went to the MGM or for the MGM. Went to the MGM. The MGM took the chip and says, you didn't get it while playing here, so we're not going to pay you, and we're keeping the chip. Sorry, Turkey. And he never got paid on that chip? Never got paid on the chip. Okay. But this happened like 20-plus years ago, right? right? Or no, so, I, and, yes. and he still probably wouldn't get paid on the chip absent a lawsuit, but there is something. See, he legitimately got that chip for value, Okay. And the idea that the casino, I don't know of anything that says that the casino is not indebted on the bearer instrument language, but somebody's got to sue. Then the casino has to turn around and say, we don't have to redeem that chip because uh, he was not a gambler. Here's a regulation. And I, and you go, well, regulation's fine, but here's a statute that says it's a bearer instrument. Statutes trump regulations, pay me. But you got to test that through court, and $5,000 may not be enough. When this comes up with a $25,000 chip, somebody's going to test it. Um, but the one I ran into was a guy who ran into that wonderful serendipitous thing that we would all hope to one day have. He's sitting there rolling at a $5 craps or $2 craps table, which today would be a $10 craps table. And he's on a hot roll. And he was so happy at his two to $10 bets that he won $415 after like 37 throws. But the guy at the other end of the table had just turned it into $300,000. And uh, that guy took all the money that was in front of him and threw the shooter a $5,000 chip. Well, but that shooter is absolutely a patron yes. and they know it. Yes. Okay. But it was a chip from a different casino. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh... If I remember right, he threw him a Bollies chip and they were at Caesars. Now, same, whatever. But, uh, the gaming control board said you don't have to cash it, um, but I still think. Wow. Yeah. I I still think there's a claim there that they have to redeem it or that they have to get. Yeah, I think you could still press it, 
through the courts, but that one didn't go up past the board. All right. We have more questions for Bob Nersessian, and we're going to get to them right after this commercial break. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. South Point has more than 10,000 games returning at least 99%. This is more such games than anyone else has in December through December 24th. It's half price everything if you use your points, meaning rooms, meals, gift shop, New Year's Eve tickets, etc. If you're serious about card counting, the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership is a great way to learn, train, network, and get the resources you need to succeed. We've had quite a few guests on Gambling with an Edge who exclusively trained and got their start through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Check out the website at blackjackapprenticeship.com. They have member forums, training software, and guides to help you learn. That's blackjackapprenticeship.com, and you will find a link in the show notes. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the game. The game of the week is Magic Deal Poker. This is a 10 coins per line game where periodically, prior to the deal, you receive one, two, or three Magic Deal cards. These are like wild cards, except they are determined after all the other cards are dealt and must take the value of a real card, which means you cannot have a five of a kind in a game like Double Double Bonus. The frequency of the Magic Deal cards depends on the game. On the games where two pair receives even money, you get relatively few Magic Deal cards. On games where two pair receives double money, you get significantly more. If you're interested in getting an edge at sports betting, then unabated.com is a great resource for you. Founded by frequent Gambling with an Edge guests, Captain Jack and Rufus Peabody, unabated.com is designed for both new and experienced sports bettors. Their real-time odds screen, tools, and calculators take a lot of the guesswork out of trying to quantify your edge. There's plenty of free education and instruction to help you along your journey to becoming a sharper sports better. You can currently take advantage of a seven-day free trial to decide if premium membership at unabated.com is right for you. All right, we're back with Bob Nersessian. Is it legal in Nevada to use a calculator on your phone to estimate the return to a player on a must-hit progressive? Yep. Provided you get up, Walk outside, go onto the public sidewalk, calculate it, and return. Is going into the restroom sufficient? Probably not. I don't have an answer to your There's question. no cameras in there, though, so... The question... The, the, the law is you cannot use a device to gain an advantage on a gambling game, but I think they, you can reasonably imply that that means proximately. Um, 
for example, you can't arrest me because I have figured out the odds on your new uh, climb the ladder dice game uh, at my house and found a hole in it, which I know you can't find holes in dice games, but uh, you do find one nonetheless and then show up and play. And now I use the device, my calculator. That wouldn't be illegal. Um, but uh, see, it is an ambiguous and crazy statute because there is nothing in there that says your pencil and paper that you are farting around with at the uh, mini box table is not a device. But nobody's going to ever arrest somebody for doing that. If you use the calculator on your phone, I've seen casinos actually get heated about it and get people to watch over your shoulder to make sure that whatever you're doing on that phone is not bizarre. Um, and the people I've known generally, even though it is just out there and apparent, but that calculator on your phone to figure out when the advantage break is, is no different than the tapper on the blackjack player's leg in 1974. And that being the case, people are in were in jail for that. So I would say, no, you can't. Uh, incidentally, on the tapper thing, I do know that gaming agents are still taught about tappers and they still look for them. And I think dealing with two knowledgeable gamblers here and knowing the gamblers I do, the last time a tapper was used was probably 1974. Next question. My home casino, Penn National in Grantville, Pennsylvania, Bob Nersessian's favorite state, is holding over $400,000 in bad beat poker money. The poker room closed in March of 2020 due to the pandemic, and it hasn't reopened due to staffing issues. What rights do the poker players have with regards to recovering that bad beat money, and can the casino legally give that money out in the form of promotions to slot or table game players? It depends from from what I understand and from what I'm extrapolating from the rules in Nevada. It depends on what the Pennsylvania Gaming Commission authorizes on request. Right now, they can reopen the poker room, put that back out there in the same class it was in and not have to do anything. But I think before they do anything, they have to request have to come up with an idea and request it. And if the commission were to agree that it is players money, but we don't have poker players anymore in that sense. So what we're going to do is pass it out to other um, well-invested players. And here's where we're going to disperse it. There's every likelihood that the um, commission would say that's fine. And once they do that, it's authorized. But if they just sit on it, if they sit on it forever, um, see, there's there's the rub. I don't know who has standing to go after that. You were a long-term poker player with a lot of money invested in it. Perhaps you'd have standing, but the result may be exactly like what you're trying to avoid anyway. They may well say, well, you can't hold on to that forever. Go to the commission and find out how it has to be dispersed. And if the answer comes back, you can disperse it as extra jackpots on uh, four of a kinds on your poker machines, then that's going to be the rule. Sure would be nice if it was something better, wouldn't it? All right. Next question. And our last one. We had comp tickets to CA at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Some of our party couldn't make it, so we sold those tickets for cash near the box office. We were observed by MGM security and basically kicked out of our room with no refund. Did we break any laws? Did the MGM act appropriately? Everything you've just said is a matter of social discourse and morals. And you want to make it something legal, I don't think you get to. For one thing, NRS 207.200, which is the trespass statute, expressly authorizes them to kick a guest out of a room for any or no reason. Returning to the morals, those were given to you as a social convention for enjoyment at an event. 
and they were personal to you and to turn around and try to sell them out from under your um, beneficent, uh, from under the, the, the person with the gratuitous intent is sort of cheesy, okay? You're not supposed to make profit off of a gift. Um, so all in all, this is just what? Richard apparently thinks I, I'm just laughing because uh, I received an awful lot of Tyson tickets and uh, I never went to a fight. <laughs> I didn't find it cheesy at all uh, for getting $10,000 for my Tyson tickets one weekend. Okay. I didn't need to see him bite off the guy's ear. <laughs> Ouch. You had, you had Holy Holyfield tickets. Yeah. Oh, man. More than once. <laughs> he only yeah. bit off one ear one time. No, but he had more than one fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and he did have more than one ear. I don't know. I read it. I, I think, you know, I understand that somebody in Richard's position with Richard's morals would certainly turn around and sell those tickets. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm burning hell for that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right so with with that we're going to end oh, this oh, wait, and we're wait, gonna get wait uh, before we end it so so are you section. saying bob i might be uh of lesser moral character if i uh got reimbursed for a first class airline ticket when i actually drove from oh yeah oh did you represent I, I, you flew in on a first-class ticket and take a friend's ticket and present it to the cage? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, you, you remember that definition of fraud earlier? All right. I do. Okay. Now let's talk about what you're talking about there. And is it material to present that ticket and say it's yours while the casino is trying to decide whether or not to reimburse you for a flight? Yeah. It's a good thing I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. And I do have something for that little wind-up at the end, I guess. Good. Speaking of the little wind-up at the end, at the end of our show, we have a recommended section. And uh, the first one is from Sleazy Richard. Yeah. So um, I have been getting into these uh, historical dramas recently. Uh, I, I mentioned that I watched this series called Catherine about Catherine the Great. Uh, now I'm watching one called Versailles about Louis the Fourteenth, And um, I'm most of the way through the first season and I'm really enjoying it. So um, although uh, for some of you, if it, uh, it may bother your sensibilities, there are quite a number of uh, young, attractive women who sometimes do not have clothes on because, you know, the French are much more open about those things than we are. Oh, my God. I couldn't possibly watch that. <laughs> oh, look. Uh, oh, moving on. <laughs> my recommended is the novel Suspect by Scott Turo. Uh, Turo writes a lot of legal thrillers, primarily featuring defense attorney Alessandro Sandy Stern and his daughter Marta. As the characters age from novel to novel, by now Sandy has died and Marta is retired. Her niece, Pinky, Sandy's granddaughter, is a notorious screw-up who's taken an impressive array of drugs and flunked out of many endeavors, including the police academy. Now she's a private investigator for an attorney. The defendant in the case is a female police chief accused of sexually harassing three of her employees. Pinky and her colorful friends appear to be characters that are going to be around for a while in Turo's writing. I look forward to a few future episodes. I enjoyed this book a lot. That's fun. Okay, mine is just, it's a little three-minute sojourn into the Christmas season where we have a bunch of Christmas albums around the house and Thea threw one on the other day. And we're listening while we're wrapping things. And up comes Kenny Rogers' homemade Kentucky Christmas, which is just a little ditty from probably 20 years ago. You can probably pick it up on YouTube. And if you want to just take three minutes and cry a little bit, go ahead and listen to it. 
All right. Thank you, Bob Nersessian. Uh, we still have lots of questions. It's been like three or four weeks since you were on, so you have to come back again so you can make us cry again and call Richard Sleazy again. I want so, Billy uh, we... Griffin. You what? I want Billy <laughs> yeah. and a stipend. <laughs> That's what they say in Detroit, uh, rather I than stipend. He... <laughs> I bet he did that on purpose. I bet he did that on purpose. All right. <laughs> Uh, let me stipulate that he did that on purpose. All right. Uh, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Richard. Go out and hit lots of royal flushes, everybody. Good day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.